Thanks for tuning into the Caleb Hires podcast. For more great content like this, head to calebhires.com or check out The Resting Place at therestingplacetampa.com. Today, God wants to unveil iffy faith. This is going to encourage and like ruin your life at the same time. (laughs) So just for defining terms, we're going to say, what is faith? It's important to know what is faith if we're going to have an, you know, a descriptor of faith being iffy, you know, what is faith? Has anyone ever felt like kind of unsure of themselves as a Christian? Anybody? Okay, three of you are honest. All right. How many of you have felt like not sure of yourself as a believer? Uh, yeah, okay. Like maybe this is God, maybe it's not. Yeah, okay. Ha. That's called iffy faith. And it's not bad. It's awesome. I'm going to help you today. The Lord's going to help us today. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking through your word. Through your word. We want your word to be paramount in our hearts. We want to be a people in love with the word of God. Come on, say amen to that. I want to be a person in love with the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 in the Passion Translation. We have it on the screens for you, but you can turn in your Bible if you'd like. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation because it's just a fresh expression of an eternal truth. It's a fresh expression. So maybe you, you know, sometimes when I, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible or hear the Bible, the same way I've always heard the Bible, it becomes stale. Anybody? Yeah? So this is just to help us, you know. I, I, I am not a only Passion Translation. I have an ESV up here that I read every day. I have lots of translations, actually. So I'm a little bit of a junkie. When it comes to translations, but this is so fresh. Listen to this. Now, faith, this is the the passage that defines faith, okay? Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Come on, get a picture of this. Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Faith is mas importante. See? <laughs> it is all the evidence required. All the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That's a radical statement right there. <laughs> it is all the evidence required. Say all the evidence. Required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for, and that's Hebrews 10, and all, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 11. After this, it goes into the hall of faith, all the different people, Abraham, Sarah, amazing people. And faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. Whew, that's amazing. Isn't that an incredible statement? Yeah. I love the Bible. I don't know. I just love the Bible. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. This is why you should be slow to speak, because your words create. You know, one of the colloquialisms I hate is actions speak louder than words. That is a half-truth and therefore poison. You know why it's a half-truth? Because actions speak louder than words depending on who's speaking. 
You saying your actions speak louder than God's words? Your actions are more defining than God's word? I would call that arrogance. Your actions will never speak louder than his word. Get over it. Just just blink your eyes and get over it. Like, okay. <laughs> the whole universe was created beautifully coordinated and created by the power of God's word. And when we speak, we co-create with something. You're co-creating with one spirit or the other. <laughs> you co-create with Holy Spirit or the not-so-Holy Spirits. Next time someone is mean to you, if you, go, if you say they're an idiot, I'm just bringing it down to earth for you, putting your feet on the ground. You're co-creating something with the wrong spirit. If somebody acts like an idiot, which just happens, I've done it. Anybody else acted like an idiot this week, today? Yeah, okay. Hello. <laughs> if that happens, here's what you should say. That is so unlike them. Because they're made in the image of God, and God is not an idiot. So they don't know who they are. You could even get away with saying they did something really idiotic. You can get away with that. Because God talks that way. God says, oh, that was stupid, what you did. But he never says, you are stupid. He says, that was stupid. That was partnering with the spirit of stupid. <laughs> right? All right. That was, a, that was totally free and not in today's message. Somebody needed to hear that. Come on. Slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. In that order, by the way. Quick to listen, slow to speak. You have to listen in order to speak. The only reason you can speak is because you heard something once, and now you're speaking it. Slow to speak comes after quick to listen. All right. Take that. Take it. He spoke, God spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. That's what faith is right there. Okay? The thing you need to get in your cabeza from your spirit to your head, because it's not a drop from your head to your heart. It's a bubbling up from the spirit to the head. And if you'd worship, it would go a lot faster. Wisdom rolls downhill when your head's below your heart. The thing you need to get into your head is that there's a difference between the gift of faith and the walk of faith. Say the gift of faith. Say the walk of faith. The gift of faith is listed as one of the many gifts of the spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, you can write that down. That's where the gift of faith is listed. The gift of faith. Let me define the gift of faith for you. It's assuredness and accuracy. It means you're sure of something is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. That's faith. It's the unseen birthing into the scene, right, like we just read. You're sure it's going to happen, and it actually happens. So this is not the gift of faith. I know this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen. That's not the gift of faith. Let me bring you, bring you to authentic kingdom. This is the kingdom of God in its authentic form. Okay? This is not hype. This is hope. Different, one letter difference. Big, massive implication. I'm giving you hope right now, believe it or not. If you say it's going to happen and it doesn't happen, the exact way you said it was going to happen, let me be totally clear, that wasn't the gift of faith. That's okay. 
It's okay. <laughs> Everybody's getting nervous. All right? The walk of faith, as opposed to the gift of faith, the gift of faith is assuredness and accuracy. Say assuredness and accuracy. The, the walk of faith is risk. The walk of faith is defined in 2 Corinthians 5.7. You can write that down. 2 Corinthians 5.7. That says we walk not by sight but by faith. We walk not by what we see but by faith. Now, that's the kind of faith I want to talk about today. Iffy faith. The walk of faith. Because this will really help you. Who's been a, a believer for more than 10 years? Raise your hand. Okay. This will really help all of you. Let me help you. Many of us are waiting for the gift of faith to act in obedience. God says something and we're waiting. You don't know it, but you're often waiting for assuredness and accuracy. That's why you need five confirmations, two fleeces, and a few prophetic words. And let me release you from that pressure. The walk of faith and the gift of faith are very different. They're both vital and needed. The walk of faith is the constant. The gift of faith is like interjected in your life over and over. It's a, it's a constant in some people's lives. Some people operate in a high gift of faith. Some people don't, and that's okay. The gift of faith. Sandy Holman is someone who operates in a, all the time in the gift of faith. She says stuff, and it happens. <laughs> I just, and I'm okay with the fact that I don't operate in that gift the same way. Right? Come on, somebody. I prophesy stuff, and it doesn't happen. It's very frustrating when someone on your team is better at this thing than you, you know. <laughs> it's actually awesome. I like it because it means we need each other. So let me release you from the pressure of operating in the gift of faith, knowing for sure it's going to happen and being accurate. Let me invite you into the walk of faith, which I would call iffy faith, iffy faith. Faith is the only thing that feels risky but is in, is in fact no risk at all. Faith is the only thing that feels risky, but is no risk at all. It's the only thing that will feel like a risk, but actually isn't. Because God loves to be believed. Even if you get it wrong, God loves that you stepped. God loves your attempt. God is in love with your attempts. Come on. God is not in love with your result. God is in love with your try. I'm just going to try. I'm going to try to pray. I'm going to try to read the Bible. I'm going to try to give a prophetic word. I'm going to try to pray for the sick. God is in love with the try. God is in love with that attempt. Think, oh, this may be God. I'm going to try. Oh, he freaks out. He loves it. I'm telling you. We're going to read a lot of the Bible in Matthew 14 today, so you can turn there, or if you have your Version app, I'm also going to have all of this on the screens for you, because I'm reading in the Passion Translation. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to read starting in verse 22, and this is the story of Peter walking on water. Now, one of the things I need you to get into your cabeza is that Peter was yet to be redeemed. This is an unredeemed man before the cross who walked on water. What is our excuse? <laughs> right answer. <laughs> you might think, oh, that was just for the Bible times. So you're still in Bible times, by the way. 
There's still stuff unfulfilled in the Bible that's not happened yet. You're in the times of the Bible. Matthew 14, 22. This is Peter and the disciples. They get into the boat. So here it is. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. You all know that story, right? Miracle. Amazing. As soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. I'm, that right there, go back. That is, right there is a boss move, all right? You understand, like, Jesus was constantly being mobbed by people for healing, for all this stuff. He was constantly, he had to, like, get, run away from crowds, basically, all right? Jesus always had a crowd. The thing was, the crowd never had Jesus. It's the difference. Jesus is seeker-friendly. What seeker is Jesus not friendly towards? Name them. The difference comes when the seeker has the one who's being sought. Jesus always had a crowd. A crowd never had Jesus. That's who we need to be. So he dismisses the crowd all by himself. Then he just fed over five, you know, 5,000 is just the men. It was more like 9,000, maybe more. Nine to 11,000 is what most scholars estimate. He just fed nine to 11,000 people with two loaves and three fishes. And then he's like, all right, go home now. If one of us pulled that off now, we would have a really hard time dismissing the meeting. You know what I mean? Anyway, I just think that's cool. I'm just helping you think through these things. All right. After the crowds dispersed, that means he was successful, Jesus went up into the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. It's actually the only thing that God, that it says Jesus did often. It's not in this passage. It's one of the uh, parallel passages. It says that Jesus often got alone to pray. It's the only thing that Jesus is listed as often doing. See, one time in your Bible, it says Jesus often did something. He often got alone to pray. It's the one often, the single often in your Bible. I think that's important. Let's be like Jesus. How about that? But the disciples, so he's alone to pray. But the disciples, who were now in the middle of the lake, ran into trouble. For their boat was tossed about by the high winds and the heavy seas. At about 4 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. Wow. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, A ghost! I'm just... Pause. I'm, I'm read preaching, okay? I'm, I'm reading and preaching sometimes. This You have to understand a little bit of cultural context. They're on the Sea of Galilee. There was a myth in that time and in that area that, oh, I can't remember the name of this spirit. But the Pharisees actually had a, they were very spiritual. The Sadducees were not spiritual. That's why they were sad, you see. The Pharisees were very spiritual. And they had a myth and a mystical legend that at night between 3 to 6, you ever heard of the witching hour? This is where it came from. Between 3 to 6, around 3 o'clock, which is 4 o'clock in the morning, there would be this demon who would walk on the water of the Sea of Galilee, and they would, it would abduct their children and drown them in the lake. And Jesus decided to do something very similar to that thing. I love Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? He's like, this is going to freak him out real bad, you know. He's up alone on the mountain. He's like, God, what do we do today? He's, God's like, here's what you're going to do. 
You're going to scare them crapless. You're going to just... When they say it's a ghost, there's grammatical, there's text. There's scholars who believe that they were literally, some of them were shouting the name of that demon. It's the demon, and it's actually a female demon, so they even got the gender wrong. It's the she-demon who steals our children and drowns them in the lake. More than, oh, it's Casper. No, you need to understand, culturally, these dudes were flipping a lid, freaking out, terrified. God did something, and they were terrified. Sound familiar? Oh, God wouldn't do that. Are you kidding me? God wouldn't move, wouldn't do it that way. Have you read your Bible? <laughs> Jesus is in the habit of freaking people out. He wants you to get out of your mind and into his. He wants you out of your mind. <laughs> Jesus came to them walking on the waves, and they screamed, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, be brave and don't be afraid. I am here. Now, this could actually be translated, the here is not there. It could be translated simply as, I am. Jesus said, don't be afraid. I am. He was identifying himself as God walking on the lake. You think this is the demonic, but I am. <laughs> you thought it was the devil, but I am is doing it. This was a confession that he was revealing himself as God. Now, that's very important for the next part because Peter shouted out. And this is where, this is, I love this. I love this. Go ahead to the next slide there. Peter shouted out and he said, Lord, if, if it's really you, have me join you on the water. Now, I'm going to talk about the big if there in a minute. But the word Lord, Lord, is actually the Greek substitution for Yahweh. Peter got it. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am. Peter says, Yahweh. Peter says, God, Jesus says, I, this is God doing this. And Peter says, God acknowledges the, the statement of Jesus. And then he says, if this is you. Call me out on the water. Have me join you on the water. And Jesus replied, come and join me. Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out into the water and began to walk toward Jesus. A human being before the ascension of Christ, not filled with the Holy Ghost, just in the proximity of what God is doing. Ha, <laughs> Walks on the water. Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk toward Jesus on an if. God, this might be you. <laughs> I've been to the Sea of Galilee. I, I mean, I've been, every time I'm there, I put my hand in the water just to check. Like, yep, still just water. <laughs> Looking for rocks or something, you know. I've been all around that lake. You get on a boat and you go, we'll be on a boat together in Israel if you go. And you can try it. If God gives you a word, you can just try it out. Just <laughs> please let the, you know, I heard from my friend D. Franks. 
when listening to the Spirit, he gave the greatest advice ever. He says, hear the Lord and don't be wrong. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> that applies in this situation. If that's God, that's cool. Just don't be wrong. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so the rest of the story you're familiar with, I'm just going to read it, though. It says, but when he realized, Peter, how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, what little faith you have, why would you let doubt win? Now, that word little is not quantity. It's, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not quantity. It's, what's the word for time? I'm trying to, what? It's duration. Thank you. The word little literally means you had such brief faith. Everybody wants bigger faith. God doesn't care about your big faith. He cares about your bold faith that doesn't back down no matter what. When Jesus said in Matthew 17, you couldn't cast out the demon, the boy, remember? He was throwing himself in the fire and the water. He says, because you had such a brief faith. It's the Greek word for short. Why was your faith so short? Why did you give up so soon? He wasn't rebuking him for having tiny faith. And in Matthew 17, that's where he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, a mountain will jump. Doesn't that passage make a lot more sense now? What's smaller than a mustard seed? Nothing. That's the point. It's not about how big your faith is. It's about how long you keep it in the game. It's about persisting in faith. You don't need more faith. Stop it. Stop. We've all been given a measure of faith. Quit it. You don't need more. You need to be bulldogged, pit bull-like about believing God, never giving up. That's a good word. What brief faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? And the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased, and all the disciples crouched down before him and worshiped Jesus. Can you see this? Like Peter and Jesus get in the boat. Peter's a little wet. Jesus isn't. And they start worshiping Jesus. Like the wind stopped. It's chaos. And then they get in the boat, and the wind stopped. Now, just looking at this, it's, this is not what I'm talking about today, but it's pretty radical to me that Jesus didn't, like, you know, stop the storm first and then walk on the waves. He's like, I'm going to walk in the midst of this chaos. And then he didn't even stop him before Peter got out. He goes, you're going to walk in the midst of chaos. That's called iffy faith. They said in adoration, you are truly the son of God. And this is actually the first apostolic prof uh, confession of Christ as the son of God. The first one. They all said, you are the son of God. Listen to me. Iffy faith is the water-walking kind. Iffy faith is the water-walking kind. You think Peter was operating in the gift of faith? You think he was sure that it was going to work out? <laughs> no, he had a big old if. And an if is all you need. Thanks for tuning in to the Caleb Hires podcast. For more great content like this, head to calebhires.com or check out The Resting Place at therestingplacetampa.com.